Welcome to Behind the Writer, the podcast about what the heck happens after you finally finish that novel. I'm your host, Julie Vade, and I'm here with my fellow indie authors to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing and publishing a novel. Today, I'm joined by Marissa D'Angelo. She is an author of fictional tales of the mystical and spiritual worlds. Her Tales of Charles Island series are based on the island's curses throughout history. She grew up in Connecticut and was walking distance from the pathway that led directly onto the shores of that island. She now lives in Maryland, teaching second grade, where she works each day to help her students' love for writing grow so that it too can provide them with adventure and enjoyment. Marissa, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's just get into it. Tell me about the books that you have published right now. You have quite a few. You have your series and a bunch of other ones. You got a lot. I lose count. (laughs) Um, So I have five books in the Tales of Charles Island series, and each tale is separate in that um, they take place in different eras and they have uh, different characters in them. So um, they don't really need to be read in any particular order. If you want to read them in timeline order, it goes with The Cursed Spirit, which is the American tribe story, goes on to Cursed Spirit 2, which is it is connected to that cursed vessel um, is my pirate story about Captain Kidd. And then we move on to the cursed inn, which is about a cursed resort on the island in the 1800s. And then moving on from there, it goes to um, presence, which takes place in modern day on a photographer that finds paranormal in his photographs. And after that, um, Besides the Tales of Charles Island series, I have The Vanish that recently came out. It's based in modern day on gods and goddesses that roam the earth um, and they prey upon humans. So, And then aside from that, I do have a memoir that's called Chasing Time. And it's basically, it has like journal entries that I've written growing up and stuff like that. It's about my life dealing with um, different things like abuse and other things like that. It gets very vivid. Um, And, you know, it's, um, it's very raw as well. So, you know, I came out with that book because I felt like people could relate. So yeah. Wow, that's really awesome. What kind of drew you to like stories about the Charles Island and like kind of history based? Like what kind of draws you to that? About three and a half years ago, I lost my father tragically. And and so I went back to Connecticut because that's where I'm from to kind of go through his house and, you know, do the funeral and everything else. Um, and I walked to Charles Island to just get sanctuary and refuge because when I was home, there were so many reminders of him and it was very upsetting. Yeah. And so when I would go to the beach and kind of walk along the boardwalk, it it was really nice for me. Um, it was a good coping mechanism to just get out. And so when I was there, I was actually sitting down writing a story about the end of the world because that's how I felt at the time. And um, and this random photographer walked up to me and he was starting to tell me about all of the different um, 
kind of curses on the island. And I was like, what? I never heard of that. And he started to tell me about the Native American tribe's curse, um, Captain Kidd the Pirate's curse, and then how he himself found uh, paranormal in his photographs. So that's why I came out with Presence First. That was my um, my first book I wrote, which was based on him. Um, and he looked like he was maybe in his 60s or 70s, and he had like a camera around his neck. So, wow. um, so yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> so they're all yeah, kind of yeah. It just sparked my fascination. So, do you teach history or you teach English? I teach everything to my oh, okay. second graders. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, but we do focus a lot in social studies on uh, different Native American tribes. Nice. So, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. I have to go. I don't live very far from Connecticut. It makes me want to go and check it out and go to the yeah. island. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll have to check the tide charts because in low tide, there's a walkway that uh, washes up. You can just walk right to the island, but you have to make sure that you get back in time so that it's not washed up in high tide. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so terrible. Oh my God. (laughs) So are your, what kind of age level are your books? Are they young adult adults? What are you, where are they? When children come to my booth (laughs) um, and they ask about my books, I kind of like gear them towards um, presence. Okay. And the reason why that's like maybe the only one that would be suitable for like maybe 13 year old and older is because the other books have some gore in it, killing, Mm. um, romantic scenes and stuff like that. So I would say like new adult, I've sold all the way up to like 95 years old. So, (laughs) um, yeah. yeah, I just like, you know, I guess the parents could read it to their their kids um, if they censor out certain parts. And unfortunately, nowadays, children are just kind of watching and reading everything. Yeah. Um, so if they see everything anyway, but I'm, you know, I guess I'm like helicopter parent over here and I'm very sheltered. So, you know, I would say um, be a little bit lean on that. So like 18 and older. Okay. Would you ever be interested in writing like a children's book or anything? Just because you, you know, you work with children, you know, everything about, you know, you're used to it. Yeah. So I've written so many, um, because I'm in charge of the writing units and everything in my, uh, in my grade level team for second grade, I have written, um, so many narrative stories to give examples to the kids. And just yesterday, I was just thinking about that again, because I wrote a Frankenstein story, except it's called, um, God, what was it? It was like Franken-robot. And this little kid is like an only child. And he's trying to build a robot. Like he's so bored. It's raining outside for days. And so he builds a robot. And then lightning comes. And it it, tur- it makes it come to life. Uh-huh. And so that was my story that I wrote for my kids just as an example. And then their story was one day... John woke up and he was mad. He built a robot. The end. And I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to help them yeah. to kind of add to their stories a bit and get them excited about it. But Aww. I definitely have thought of doing that. So someday. Okay, that sounds so fun. Oh my god, I feel like it's got to be fun to work with second graders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we kind of talked about the background of your books, um, but is there like any specific like messages that you like are want to portray in your writing or any like character traits? Like, what kind of things is important to you to like have in your work? 
So um, I love adding supernatural and paranormal elements to my work. And one of the reasons, it's a little bit sad, but one of the reasons why is because I feel that a lot of my family members live on through my stories. And um, in my books, like, there could be some people that have died or ancestors that are seen and portrayed through animals and other things like a snowy owl, for instance, that's in the cover of the cursed spirit. Um, and I won't, I won't give away who that portrays, but, um, I just, I really like when people will get the message from my books that, um, all of us live on like through, you know, when someone dies, they're not gone completely, that they continue on, whether it be um, just through memories in your mind or or even um, recipes that you make that remind you of your grandmother or something like that. Like um, we all live on in various ways. So, yeah, that's really awesome. Do you reference like like reincarnation or any kind of like. I guess like religious aspect or is it more kind of like an implied, like this represents this kind of thing? It's more like an implied thing. And it's a little bit of just um, superstitious stuff. Like um, the red winged blackbird is um, kind of thought of as like a red cardinal where um, when you see a red winged blackbird, it's a sign that your lost loved one is looking over you. Um, So so yeah, so like kind of just superstitious stuff. That's cool. Wow. So what has the whole process been like for you and how has it like for writing and publishing and how has it kind of changed from maybe like your first book to like your more recent work? Um, so, oh my God, it's changed so much because with my, first, with my first book, I used one of those stock covers on Amazon that looks uh. ridiculous and <laughs> I still have a few and I'm going to actually donate it because I'm sick of looking at it. So, um, <laughs> but it's like one of those ridiculous covers, didn't get it edited and I mean, one of my books had like no chapter 11, like it, like this was such a learning process for me as I went. And I mean, it's been fun, but it's also been quite hectic um, and stressful. Um, but I feel like I'm getting better as I go for sure. And I've come a long way. It is very, very expensive to purchase yeah. covers um, and have you know someone design a cover for you. But I feel like it's worth it because although they say don't judge a book by its cover, everyone does. Yeah. Like literally I'll have, I did like an Oktoberfest festival and, uh, and there was a guy that was really drunk and he was like, I don't read books, but I want to buy your book as a decoration for my shelf. Oh my God. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, I was like, okay, sure. Like whatever. Yeah, like, sure. It's a sale. It. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I, I really tried to dabble with traditional publishing, but I got a little bit antsy because I wanted to get my book out and I was writing so much that I was coming out with so many different books and I was like, I need to just get them out at this point. Um, and having lost, I, um, in the past three and a half years, I lost, um, more than half of my family due to cancer and other things. So I was like, what if I die? Like, I need to get this stuff out. (laughs) So, you know, uh, that, that's what was important to me. And I have brought like a lot of smiles to faces from my books, um, and stuff like that. So I think it's been well worth it, but that's kind of been my process. 
Wow. I feel like it's probably almost like like a closure thing too, you know, since you've had so much going on to get them out and be like, this is the end of this kind of part. And I feel like that's probably part of it too, right? Yeah. Cause with yeah. traditional, you have to wait like one or two years or something. And then you even not even talking about that, even before anyone accepts you, it can take over a year just to keep sending query letters out to agents. Um, and asking them to, you know, accept your book and find a publisher for you. So then it could take over three years and I have over five books. So if you multiply that by three, like yeah. I'd be an old lady by the time I get accepted. Yeah. <laughs> so. It kind of makes you wonder how some of the like, you know, really big authors that have been around for a long time that have like hundreds of books out. I'm like, how did you even like get all that out? So like with the traditional route, like dang. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your marketing for a little bit. Uh, you do like a ton of events. Like every time I'm on Instagram, I like see you like every day. I'm like, oh my gosh, another event. That's amazing. <laughs> but what's kind of your like marketing approach for everything? So <laughs> I guess I see something and it looks good and I do it. But I, it's changed over time because in the very beginning when I started doing book events and stuff like that, I started out with farmer's markets and then I went to like comic cons and I tried to dabble in a little bit of everything. I do not do well at book events. I do not do well at comic cons. And the reason is because at book events, you're competing against other books and people usually come to book events for the hot shots, for the big authors that'll give their autograph and whatever. And the reason why I don't do well at comic cons is because people want to dress up and they want to add accessories and flair to their costume. And they are, they don't want to read like that's not really the focus of it nowadays. And they want little action figures as well. So um, (laughs) yeah, so, and that's fine, you know, but um, I realized after doing like a four day comic con event, that was like nearly $400 for me to just get into. And I broke even by $5 and wasted so much time. I was like, I'm going to go with the farmer's market that I do for maybe three hours in a, on a Saturday morning. And I make $300 like that is where I am not spending as much time and I'm not wasting it. And people really like it because a lot of people will support local authors there because they're supporting their local farmers. So yeah. How's like your, what's your like, like online approach to get like the online side, like sales side of it? So I don't have one and I know (laughs) I should because uh, I, so I used like two years ago, I paid a little bit of money to kind of get my book marketed a little bit more. And I would do like a free ebook day. Yeah. I forget who it was with. It wasn't BookBub, but it was, I think it was freebooksy.com. Um, and you pay like a couple hundred dollars and then you get like a free ebook day and they'll get over 7,000 downloads of your book. Um, but what I suggest with that is definitely do that if you have a sequel to your book or if you have like other books out there that they would actually purchase. Because even though you're getting so many free ebook downloads, you're not making any money and you're actually paying a few hundred dollars for that, like, right. publicity. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I've dabbled with a little bit of everything, but I do need to get better at the online marketing for sure. Same, especially like when you work a full-time job, like it's hard to find the time to like yeah. post a reel every day. Like, first of all, I don't have time for that. Second of all, I don't even know what I'm posting. <laughs> like, what, what do you even put on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's really hard because a lot of people just want free books. They want free stuff and yeah. then it sits on their shelf. And, you know, that's the toughest thing of this all. I mean, you could do maybe like a free ebook day, like once a month, because Amazon will allow that. And like, for me, I was thinking since I have the curse spirit part one and part two, I could make part one free, like, you know, once a month, and then like, maybe they they would read it and then want part two, right? Yeah, I think your books are good too, because like you said, you can read them in like any order. So I feel like that's helpful because I found that it's kind of hard. It's harder to like market. And especially if you're doing like arc readers or stuff when you're publishing a second book, if you don't know like who read the first book and like you can get some of the same people, but then it's hard to like, but do it. So I feel like it's good that you can read yours in any order because people can kind of enter in. There's more like opportunity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's also something for everyone. Like if someone likes pirate books, like then they'll go for that one, you know, the cursed vessel and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. So you got, you got all the strategies down. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right. So what has been your biggest challenge throughout the process of publishing? With writing, one of my biggest challenges was my grandmother who had dementia um, and in a senior home, I would call her every single day, maybe five times a day. And we would talk so much about what would be in my next book. And I would share ideas with her. And when I was writing The Cursed In, she died like when I, when I was halfway done with that. So it took me like an extra long time to get that book out because I just was like a mess. But then I was like, I need to do it. I need to do it. Like, so I did eventually do it. And I think it came out really good. But um, I'd say one of the most difficult things is just trying to get the supports. And, you know, you can get supports through family and stuff, but you really need a good team. Um, to cheer you on because it's really easy to feel like you're an imposter and feel like, okay, what am I doing right now? Like I'm a poser. Like this is, you know, I'm not even, what am I doing? Like, um, and if you have that team cheering you on, then they will remind you like, no, you're not an imposter. Like, for example, one of my friends sent me reviews from uh, Sarah J. Moss's books Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but but they sent me reviews and she has really horrible reviews from some people. And it's actually nice seeing that because she's a great author. Mm-hmm. And to see that, okay, she didn't get all good reviews. Like, you know, and, and for me, there's not any reviews that were very, very horrible for me, but like you know, I'm very hard on myself. And I feel like kind of looking at the other authors and their journeys and how they were able to make it is very inspiring. And it really helps. Um, But the biggest challenge is the imposter syndrome and like the consistency, trying to keep a full time job while doing writing and everything. Yeah, those main two things, just trying to balance everything and the imposter syndrome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like a lot of people say imposter syndrome. It's a lot more like common, I feel like, in the indie author, you know, community than I thought. I thought it was just me. (laughs) So what is something that has um, surprised you in like a good way or a bad way throughout this whole process? My Tales of Charles Island books are based on an island in Connecticut. And since I now live in Maryland, I didn't know how Marylanders would take it. I was like, you know, they're not even going to know what that is, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? A lot of them see me and they're like, whoa, it's a, it's an author. She's here in the flesh. Like we need to get this book and get it signed. And like, they're just so supportive. And that has surprised me so much. They're, it's funny because I was doing one event in downtown Annapolis and I had a big banner behind me that said Tales of Charles Island. And <laughs> this old man, so cute. Um, was like maybe 95 or even 100. I don't know. He looked very old. Yeah. He like walks up to me slowly like with his walker. And he's like, my name is Charles. Is this my island? And I just was <laughs> like, oh my God, you're as cute as a button. Um, Aww, that's amazing. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah. And like <laughs> in my experience, the people in person are just so nice. Online, you will obviously find a lot more trolls um that are willing to be mean because they're not looking at you in your face and saying things and they're behind a computer screen um but in person people have been mainly just very very nice supportive um and stuff like that so that has been most surprising about my writing and publishing experiences yeah i've only done one event so far but i definitely can see what you mean like people are always so nice and like they'll listen to you talk about your book even if they don't like really care they'll just they'll listen (laughs) yes and if you talk enough about it and the people say oh i'll be back they're usually back for my for my booth they're usually always back because i kind of instill that like paranormal and supernatural and talk about it and then they're like they walk away and they're thinking about it and they're like like I need yeah. to find out. So. <laughs> like this sounds interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go back to um, imposter syndrome a little bit. So how do you kind of deal with that and like keep yourself motivated? Um. So I whine like a baby. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. So I do kind of whine in my own head, and then I'm just like. I'm going to just delete my stuff. I'm not posting anymore. And then, (laughs) you know, that whole like spiral, downward spiral. And then um, I've been listening to like a lot of self-love podcasts and like self-help podcasts. Mm -hmm. And that has really been helping me. And then I've also like, I'll go to some of my reviews that are really good and I'll reread them. And, you know, I'll ask some of my friends about what they liked about my books. And then, you know, one of my friends recently said that his nephew, like he never saw him read a book so fast in his life. And that was like such, that was so helpful because it makes me want to keep reading Uh, writing, (laughs) writing and reading. Reading and reading. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that has helped me the most kind of blocking out the negativity. Um, And it's really hard because you see like on social media, I think that's the biggest thing with imposter syndrome is the social media thing like that 
gets me into the downward spiral because I see, oh, I don't have that many followers, blah, 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 blah. And it kind of turns into that Black Mirror episode. There was an episode where this girl had to like basically earn likes and she could yeah. lose likes if if people didn't like her and stuff like that. And it, it, it feels so real. And it's horrible. And one of the podcasts I was just listening to was saying how you like you wouldn't be allowed in certain clubs if you didn't have this many followers. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's coming true. So anyway, blocking out social media for a little bit and taking breaks from it is really helpful. Posting silly things about yourself that are, you know, personal things like could be your cat or dog or whatever pancakes in the morning like that just helps to calm the mood so it's not so serious and you're showing your true self because that's that's who you want people to like is your true self and if they don't like that then they don't have to read your book that's fine so yeah I feel like social media is definitely the killer but it's kind of like a double-edged sword because especially like like for me lately I've been like at a place where I'm like I sit on my phone and scroll my social media like all the time and I'm like I really just need to take it off my phone but then I'm like well I post like you know my book stuff on Instagram and I have this podcast and I'm posting those you know updates and stuff so it's kind of like you I like feel like I need to keep it but I'm like I don't want it though so it's it's like it's awful yeah exactly yeah it's just, it's so bad. <laughs> so along the same lines, kind of, is what do you, how do you kind of keep going if like maybe your sales are not good or you get a bad review or like you're at an event and it's like crickets or something? Like, how do you kind of like get through those times? So I remind myself of like the little silver lining. So for example, if I'm at an event and I don't do that well, then I know, okay, this is at least advertising. Like, you know, it's it's advertising. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And then I'll walk around and look at the other people's booths and stuff. Um, sometimes I have like a spinny wheel that I'll pull out and then I'll say, you know, $1 donation, you get a, um, you get a bookmark, you spin the wheel and find which bookmark you want. So, um, that helps to kind of draw people in. But I mean, lately I haven't had that many online sales at all. It's been like just at a standstill. And I think, I think I know why. I think because people will buy my books in person and they have them, but also because, I really haven't done that much marketing and that's on me. Like I haven't done enough and Instagram is not a good place to do most of your marketing. I'm finding like, if you want to like get the word out about your books, that's fine. But Instagram is just not the place. One really good place is Facebook. And when you post to different groups, then that will help. However, you could get banned from the group because then you're trying to advertise and sell something and then it's against the group rules. But there are certain groups like, for example, mystery books. I write mystery books, so I might search mystery groups on there. And, you know, you can find different book clubs and things like that. Um, you know, so that certainly helps. But online sales, you have to figure out some sort of algorithm to just kind of 
do more marketing. You know, like I mentioned, freebooksy.com, where you enter in and you have one day where they blast email everybody, all the readers for mystery genre. And they say, this book is for free only today. And then you'll get, I got like over 11,000 downloads from that. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, but but it's free. So I got no money. Um, but, you know, again, like I said before, you can get, okay, they'll get the sequel. So. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder how, you know, if that's worth it, the free book thing. Cause I, I have my eBooks right now. Um, what's it called? Smashwords has, um, like in July, they have like a sale. So you could pick if you wanted to put your eBooks on the sale and whatever. So I have mine like free right now for July. This podcast comes out in like September. So it's not going to be free anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I always wonder like, you know, cause it's obviously not all about money. It's kind of like, you're like, if that person now has that book for free, you're kind of then missing out on that sale. Like in the future, maybe they would have found you later. So it's kind of like, I always wonder about that. How, like how that is. Yeah. And like, although it isn't all about money, because obviously we don't go into this to become millionaires. This is not a good career for that. (laughs) Um, It like, you need that to keep going. Like just, you need some kind of income to keep going because of the cover art for the book and the editing costs and everything else. Um, Another thing that I just started doing was a Patreon. And originally my Patreon was only going to have like different chapters that I would release and different like artists and like character art and all that. And then my friend gave me an idea and they were like, why don't you include some information like for writers? Because writers would be interested in learning things about publishing and self-publishing and, you know, just the whole craft of it and everything. So I, I just started doing that and I have three supporters. So that's good. That's better than zero. Yeah, that's good. Much, but, but like it is income because then that's like $50 a month. And, you know, to get 40 copies of my books, it's like almost $200 for me to upfront for those costs. So yeah, I mean, the Patreon thing helps. And then like Kickstarter, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, if you ever thought about doing... um like a Kickstarter for any of your books. I recently learned more about that. I talked to a couple authors that are doing Kickstarters, but yeah, I don't, I don't know a ton about it, but (laughs) yeah, I don't know that much about it either. And it, it's so overwhelming trying to like learn or teach yourself. So all the different stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of research. So what's kind of your end goal with all this? Is there like a certain number of books or like, you know, how many, what's kind of the long-term plan? Um, I would, okay. In like a fantasy world, I would like, (laughs) I would like a major producer or something like that publisher to just happen upon my book at one of these book events and be like, wow, this is great. Oh my God. And like, let's go ahead and publish this in our names and take this from Amazon and let's make a movie. So, and then I would like to quit my job and then just write. So, (laughs) and live in a lake house. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but it realistically speaking, I, I would like to kind of be more consistent with the events that I do and have a more clear like idea of how to do more online marketing so that way I can make it more feasible to continue doing it. And I would also like to um, hold more lectures at high schools and colleges because 
I did a few at high schools and they went really well. Just like a tip to anybody doing lectures, whether it be at high schools or colleges, wherever, um, or senior homes, they really like the visual stuff. So if you made some reels for your books, you can like start off by playing those and then they're sucked in for the rest of the time. So. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. We are going to go into our little rapid fire round. And I actually added another question because I've been saying like every episode, I'm like, I'm going to add more questions to this. I'm going to add more questions. And I never do. And I added one more question to the rapid fire. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, so first question, um, what it, we talked about this, but what is your day job? I am a second grade teacher. Okay. And what hobbies do you have besides reading and writing? So I really like to bake and cook. And I also love to paint. I love to paint cartoons. I can't do realistic art. I Even if I try to make a tree, it ends up looking like a cartoon. So um, that's another thing I like to do. Before teaching, I almost went into uh, culinary because I wanted to open up my own restaurant. Hey, it can still happen. You can open up like a little cafe and sell your books and it'll be great. Exactly, yes. (laughs) So the new question is, um, if you could pick one place to travel in the world right now, where would you go? I would travel to Charles Island, honestly. I just love it. Like, it's so creepy. And I know that's so weird of me. But there's so much history and like arrowheads that you can see like all around the grounds and stuff. You can see the remains of the retreat that used to be there and like the holy grounds and stuff like that. And I know that's kind of silly saying that because I can go to Italy, which is beautiful and I can go to Greece, but Charles Island like is in Milford and I was born in Milford, Connecticut and that's home to me. And I would just like to be home. So yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a good place. Nostalgia is it's a lot to say for that. <laughs> okay, so what is one of the favorite books that you've read? One of my favorite books that I've read was 1984 by George Orwell. And I believe he also wrote Animal Farm. I just love dystopia so much. And I think it's so evident. And I think he like was a master genius because he predicted the future with the whole like big brother always watching. Yeah. Even, like with Alexa and with Siri and all that, like they are always listening and always watching. And I sound like a complete nut right now, but it's true. Um, yeah, and, like, it's true. yeah. And like, I don't really care. I'm not like some kind of spy that has secrets. Um, so I don't care much that I'm being listened to, but you know, it, I just think it's a really good book. It's a horrible movie. The movie was terrible, but the book was really, really, really good. <laughs> I feel like that's the case for a lot of movies that came from books. It's just not the yeah. same. <laughs> um, okay, so what is your favorite time of day to write? I really like to write in the morning, but it's hard because since I'm a teacher and I'm just going nonstop all day and I don't have much breaks at all, I try to fit it in whenever. So it's hard to kind of find a good time of day. Um, If I could choose the weather and stuff, I love when it's rainy or snowy. Yeah, rainy days, snowy days, or thundering and storming. Those are good days to write on. Yes, that's when I get the most inspired. (laughs) Um, So do you listen to music when you're writing? And if so, what are you listening to for your books now? 
So I I am not listening to anything currently. I'm just kind of starting the writing process for my next book, The Cursed Monastery. But when I did The Cursed Inn, there was a masquerade ball scene in that book. So like I would listen to some ballroom uh, songs and stuff like that, you know, an old violin. Mood music. I'm all about it. (laughs) Um, So what is your biggest pet peeve or trope that you hate seeing in books that you're reading? I haven't read many books like this, but kind of where like somebody falls in love with someone else's brother, like it's just kind of annoying. I just don't really like that. It's just like, nah, like it's not for me. And also, I mean, I kind of like the book, The Fine Print, but I don't like how much of a jerk the male character was in that book. I don't want to give too much away to people who want to read it, but I really liked that, but it was really annoying and I had to put it down sometimes in frustration at the character. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Uh, And then last question, what is a trope or a theme that you would like to write about that you haven't written about yet? So I usually write forbidden love all the time. So one trope or theme that I want to write, hmm, I would say, God, this is hard. I'm going to like not focus on the love portion and I'm going to focus more on the theme. So I kind of am thinking of more of a like futuristic book, like space and Star Wars. Like I've been binge watching Star Wars a lot recently. So yeah, that's fine. (laughs) I love sci-fi. So I'll read that so fast. (laughs) All right. um, So that is the end of the little rapid fire round. And now we just have some some of our like little wrap up questions. So, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's kind of just starting out, looking into indie publishing, or just kind of still thinking about it? So, advice for starting out as an indie author: um, if you are set on being an indie author, that's fine. But if you're not, definitely look at the pros and cons of each, um, whether it be independent publishing just by yourself or um, small press or traditional because there's like three main types of publishing and definitely watch out for random spammers that call you or message you an email and they're like I want to make a movie off of your book just do this this and this and you know they'll get you really excited at first but a lot of the times like nine out of ten times it's fake Um, and they're just trying to scam you. So I would definitely be weary of that. On the writing and craft portion of things, make sure that you take notes while you're writing about your characters and defining traits about them so you can stay consistent. One of my last live streams, which I do every Thursday, was just um, my audience actually helped me create my next character for my book. Um, his name's going to be Lewis. But anyway, they um, what we did is we went through a whole character workbook and we wrote out everything about him, like to the point that he was left-handed even. We did like so much. And you wouldn't even think about that. Usually people think, okay, what color hair, what color eyes? But there's more than just that. And in one of my books... Um, the cursed spirit in the very beginning, I made him have long hair to his waist 
And then in the middle of the book, he had hair to his shoulder. So I wasn't consistent with that. And I found that when I went back to edit it, it would have been easier if I had a little kind of notebook of notes um, that just I could go back to to refer to to stay consistent. Yeah, I feel that. And there, I can't tell you how many times I'll be writing and then I'll forget what somebody's eye color is because, like, eye color is, like, kind of important in my book, so I, like, refer to it a lot. And so I'm, like, scrolling back up and I'm, like, you know, control searching, like, this person's name to find, like, the first time that he was mentioned because I can figure out that it's, like, crazy. It takes so much time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What other projects do you have coming up? So the next thing I'm going to be working on is the Cursed Monastery, but I'm also going to work on the Cursed Vessel too. Um, and I I absolutely love to do um, what my audience members and my supporters ask me to do, if it's not too crazy. But I've had so many requests for the Cursed Vessel too, which is my pirate book. And uh, the Cursed Vessel is actually my favorite out of all of my books that I've ever written. And just because I love troublemaker pirates and I love that whole vibe. So, (laughs) um, and it's based on a true pirate named Captain Kitts. So, um, I'm going to be doing part two to that and it's going to be a female pirate. That's going to be the main protagonist. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. So I don't want to give away too much on that because I don't want to like tell you what happens in the first one, Yeah. but you have to read the first one, kind of get the second. And then the other thing I'm working on that Lewis, a new character I made is going to be part of is the Cursed Monastery. Mm-hmm. And that is based on an old retreat that used to be on Charles Island in 1927. They started building it and then it was destroyed by hurricanes, wiping it out in uh, 1938, I believe. So um, so anyway, so Lewis is going to kind of try to be a priest um, and in this retreat, and he's not your typical priest at all. He's like, he grew up a troublemaker. He was a farmer boy. He can barely read and stuff. And he he's trying to like find God to try to help him through life, and um, which a lot of people do. And then he like finds love, but then he can't be, he can't be with that person because he's trying to be a priest. So there's a lot of different elements to it. There's also a lot of ghosts that lurk among, amongst the humans on the island. So he finds that as well. Wow, that sounds interesting. Do yeah. you like for the cursed vessel, um, do you like have a second book in mind? Like when you're writing the first book or did you kind of write the first book? And then like later we're kind of thinking about the second one. So I would say when I'm halfway done with a book, then I have a second book in mind, definitely. Okay. Because I'm more of a I'm more of a pantser than a plotter. So yeah. like I kind of go I I go I write as I go and uh, without planning, but I've gotten better at the planning part. So I'm trying here. Okay. <laughs> I feel you. I'm the worst at making outlines. I like never yeah. do. So I feel you. <laughs> Okay. And then lastly, um, where can we find you? Are you going to any events? What's your social media? Tell us where we can keep in touch with you. So I'll be at two events in August, the first Sunday Arts Festival in Annapolis. um, And I believe that's August 6th. And then at the end of August, I will be at the Milford Oyster Festival, which I go to every year. That will be on August 18th, I believe. It's on a Saturday every year. And it's a one-day event. It's really awesome, and it's so well worth it. There's usually live bands, unlimited oysters, and just 
just so much that you can walk around and do. So last year, I almost sold out of all of my books at that wow. event. Yeah, and it was just really, really fun and worth it. And um, you can find me online on my website at www dot misty com so that's m y s t y w r i t e s dot com you can order signed copies on there and pretty much uh explore my other books that i have as well and i'm on amazon all right hey side note what's the best way to sell like books on your website like do you have it through like the website or are you using like etsy or like what's like the best way to like sell them yourself I use the website okay. and it's Wix.com, but okay. a lot of people have that other one that I forget. It starts with an S. Squarespace? Um, yeah. Shopify? Squarespace. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure they have something too, but I just use Wix. I heard that Etsy charges or deducts a lot of money um, for each thing that you sell. So I just go with Wix. Okay. Yeah. That's who I have my like website through, but um. Yeah, I don't have like my own book sales right now. I have like, it's just Amazon. But like, because what do you do? Like, because you can't bundle books like on Amazon, right? So if somebody wants to buy like the whole series, they would like have to buy it through your website, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep, exactly. And so I went on, I think it's bookbrush.com that you can upload your covers to, to look like a bundle where you just see the spines of the books. And that's what I use to um, make that. And then, you know, they they can get the bundle or whatever. They yeah. Can the whatever they want. Piece. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that is all I have. Thank you so much. Okay. This was so informative. Your stories are so interesting. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on behind the writer. Make sure you're following our Instagram at behind the writer pod for all the latest updates and previews of the guests to come. We'll see you next time.